0: Of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Benz. We're coming up on five years of the podcast. Kind of wild to think about. So I appreciate you joining me today. I appreciate you joining me in whatever part of the journey you are on with your business. And you can know you're going to get some good advice today. In fact, I am bringing you one of my all time favorite people aaron sanchez who is a branding uh, marketing uh, really just an incredible uh, copywriter and writer Uh, and we talk a lot about the digital marketing space all the things that are happening there including some of the things that you really don't have to worry about some of the things you don't really have to be doing and more importantly what should you be doing to get people to really pay attention to your brand All that and more is on the podcast today. But before we dive in, we got a quick word from one of the amazing sponsors on the show. We'll be right back with you soon. See ya. Life is constantly moving quickly. And in fact, I find myself more and more wanting a pause button to capture some of those special memories with my family. That's why I love what the team at Duncan and Stone is doing. They've created high quality keepsake journals for every stage of life. From people who are freshly engaged all the way to welcoming their first child, Duncan & Stone has a series of journals that are incredible for capturing some of those precious memories, and not just memories, with the stories and conversations that you want to have with your loved ones one day. Personally, I love the Dear Daughter Journal because it captures all the amazing memories that I want to be able to tell my daughter Maylee one day the team at Duncan and Stone understands the value of keeping these memories close to home. That's why they've spared no expense in creating high quality journals that are designed in-house because they know how precious these memories are. Check out DuncanandStone.com and see some of the journals that will walk you through every stage of life. They're easy to use and beautiful to display. And most importantly, they capture what matters. Again, go to duncanandstone.com to find out more.
1: Aaron, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you joining me this morning. And I feel like I already kind of know you a little bit because we spoke last week on your podcast. Yep. And uh, it's just, it's fun to continue the conversation.
2: Yeah. No, ditto. And it was great having you on. And like you said, getting to know you better. And that episode should be dropping this week. So definitely. Any of your fans should check out my podcast, at least for this week.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Now, you mentioned before we started the recording that you're in Seattle, right? Yep. And also, what I had mentioned to uh, off off the recording was a friend of mine was telling me about the Naked Bike Run, which a lot of people don't know about. Yes. And so, like, right. oh, cool. That's, that's, I guess that's like a famous Seattle thing.
2: It is. Yeah, Seattleites. Yeah. Um we like to do things a little different. (laughs) I've never participated in it, but I've seen it. So um, it's in Fremont. So they just, usually they do like extensive body paint. So you actually, some of them, but like, you don't always see everything. It's just kind of this, like, you know, it's kind of the idea and, you know, it's, it's an art, it's an artsy city. So, yeah.
1: Well, a friend of mine is from uh, Seattle and she would talk about how she just be be, like on a patio sipping coffee and someone like rides by and she's like, Oh yeah, it's Naked Bike Run.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that actually oh, happened whatever. to me. I was at, I was getting a, a, yeah, I don't even know what they call it, the Fremont, a Fremont n- Naked Bikers. I don't know. I don't remember. But no, I was getting um, a tattoo or my husband was, I don't know, but we were at our kind of our regular tattoo parlor and uh, we're sitting there and suddenly like all these naked bicyclists go by and I'm just thinking... This is not normal. And then I thought, actually, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> it kind of reminds me of... Uh, have you ever been to Austin, Texas?
2: I have not, but it is on my bucket list.
1: Okay, so yeah, so you have to go to Austin. Austin's a really great city. Uh, it's lost a little bit of its, of its pizzazz in yeah. recent years because so many people have moved there who aren't right. native to Austin. But there's an expression called keep Austin weird. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like you'll be walking around and... Uh, a homeless man in a tutu walks yeah. by you're <laughs> like, huh, that was interesting. Yeah. And, but it's like, that's, there's a weirdness about uh, Austin.
2: Yeah. Have you been to Seattle? It's definitely weird. Either.
1: Never. But my <laughs> okay. best, one of my best friends uh, used to live there and now he lives here in Northwest Arkansas.
2: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it, it's kind of this, it sounds similar to Austin in a lot of ways because we are getting so many, it's kind of like a tech hub, you know, and we've got all these startups coming in and we also have big tech, you know, corporations headquartered here, like Microsoft and Amazon. So it's definitely a mix. Um, but it is kind of changing, I think, as well, even where I live now in a suburb outside of Seattle is, uh, I think there's like a tension where people who lived here, you know, for many years, and were part of like the farms that we used to be here are not so happy about, like these new developments that are coming in upscale shopping retail spaces and then some of us who bought here are like happy because our property value is going to go up you know so but it's a growing area for sure
1: there's finally something here yes
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah right
1: well so i'm in Fayetteville Arkansas which is part of Northwest Arkansas and that's so we are often sometimes referred to as like a miniature austin and we have mm-hmm. our own expression keep fayetteville funky because like we that. have we have a very eclectic group and uh there's they haven't been throwing this party in this year or last year but we used to have this party called the block street party there's a street called block street that's right Mm. downtown i say downtown or downtown's like two blocks Mm. basically So it's this big party basically, and all these vendors come out. And it's like kind of like a farmer's market type feel, is what it kind of feels like. Mm. But you see some weird people, and yeah. so my wife and I were like, Yeah, you know, Fayetteville, it's funky, cool. But <laughs> I
2: like that, yeah. I, lo- I love that farmer's market vibe. My a couple of friends and I were just in um, Olympia, which is our state capital, and it's not very far from Seattle. Um, but it, it's very funky, and I'd say, even Whereas I thought Seattle was very Seattle. I was like, Olympia is more Seattle than Seattle. I mean, just like hipster cafes and like that. People just dressed, you know, however Uh they feel good getting dressed in the morning, you know? And it's just like, this is pretty cool.
1: Well, it's a weird, it's a little bit of a weird dichotomy, right? Because you have, you have head, well, and I don't know what the style is for like headquarters for the HQ of, um, Microsoft, and Amazon. but here, So here we have Walmart, J.B. Hunt, and Tyson, and also a very big vendor community. Mm-hmm. And so people people dress pretty professionally and corporately, but then you also have like this really uh, cool, indie, hipster-type yeah. feel. And like we have this coffee shop called Onyx Coffee, and it has very much a hipster vibe to it. And uh, those worlds aren't, aren't in tension, but you can definitely find both ends oh, yeah. of the spectrum.
2: Oh, for sure. Here too. Even within like Microsoft. So I've done consulting with Microsoft before, and so I've been on campus a lot. And it's like the sales and marketing people are like suit, you know, really polished. And then you've got the guys in and women, right? But like the people in engineering and roles like that, where they're wearing like socks and sand. Like it's a joke. Like (laughs) Keens, right? Socks and sandals and khakis and yeah,
1: socks and Birkenstocks. Right. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's cool. Well, and I, I would guess you don't really have this problem. So people often for me in Arkansas are really surprised to hear that like Walmart's here. But I was talking to a guy yesterday who's from Connecticut. And he's like, oh, where's Arkansas at? And I go, well, it's kind of near Texas. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Texas. That's near Georgia, right? And I was like, hmm no it's you know Georgia's on the east coast <laughs> yeah i'm a little bit more south middle and he was like oh well i was close i was like
2: eh, yeah <laughs> not, yeah not but, really yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no it's no. it's funny we were talking about this a little bit too just people's geography it kind of blows my mind because i mean i was kind of a i was kind of a geeky kid so i loved like we had this wooden puzzle of the u.s uh-huh. and i mean i did that thing all the time it was at my grandma's and so i'd go to my grandma's and i would just do this puzzle all the time so and i'm like memorizing state capitals and i don't know i guess i was just a nerd but you know no that's cool
1: <laughs> which i mean i'm a former teacher and so i'm thinking like oh it's very tactile and that's great but...
2: yeah no i would loved it
1: anyway okay so enough about our random cities right. i want to talk about you I I really enjoy being on your podcast. I love the idea of just say the word and building a brand around this, this word that really defines you. Mm. I want to hear a little bit about your story and specifically, what do you do?
2: <clears throat> yeah. Um, so this is kind of the same thing as you. I'm like, where should I start in my story? There's so many <laughs> different things. But I think like the the crux of it for me is like, I did the... So I grew up in a very economically depressed area and didn't have a lot of opportunities. We were talking a lot about worldview. Um, and for me, my worldview was just super limited. And I was like, uh, and I talked about this on my very first podcast episode, cause I kind of wanted to lay the groundwork for people, but like, I wanted to be like a, a grocery store clerk. <laughs> like, I'm, like when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be a cashier because like the <laughs> scanner is so cool and the buttons are so <laughs> cool. Right. And to me, that's like, what you do, you pick a job that you see around in your small town and, and that's what you aspire to. And then I won't go into all the details, but through just various learnings. And like I said, I was, I was a geek. So I would sit there and like read the encyclopedias, you know, and they were kind of outdated, but still I was like, you know, just kind of seeing other things. And I decided, wait, there's more, there's more out there. Like what else is out there? And so it goes to that, that thing that you and I were talking about is you don't know what you don't know. And so I learned that by expanding your worldview and kind of exploring and learning and the education was this path to being able to, you know, find things that you didn't know previously even existed. Um, I really just started reading a lot. And um, yeah, I just went down this path of like, now I want to get somehow I got it in my head that I wanted a master's degree. And nobody in my family had even gone to college at all. And I'm like, I'm going to get a master's degree. That's my goal. And So, you know, long story short, through all of, you know, the journey to go to college, which was a long route for me, I had to stop and work and save money and and do all of that. I eventually did get my master's degree. But during all of that journey, I still was like, oh, but I really just want to do my own thing. (laughs) Like, I don't really really want a job, you know, like an entrepreneurship has always been just kind of like there um in the back of my head, like, oh, I want to freelance, I want to do this. I really just want to do something from home and on my own terms. And so um it was a long, messy journey of like procrastination and self-doubt and just all of this stuff. But I finally um in 2014. So I'm almost at my five year anniversary of not having to commute anymore, not having to clock in anymore, not ever sitting inside of a cubicle, you know. And um that's now where I'm at is like I know what it meant for me. And I know that I could have gotten there a lot faster had I avoided these pitfalls and just taken this route and, you know, maybe been a little more strategic about that. And so my my goal now is just to help other people who either they're stuck in the rat race, you know, they're still in a nine to five that they desperately want out of, or they've started doing some freelance work, they have started creating this business, but they're finding that they've created a job for themselves (laughs) because you can very easily just start consulting and then being like, oh, I've got this, you know, I've got to be here at this time. I've got to be on here. And then you're still just kind of trading your hours for dollars. And so I started looking at what I was doing when I started, you know, creating a job for myself as a consultant. And I thought, okay, I want to reach more people. And have a brand as opposed to just being, and not that there's anything wrong. Like if you want to be a service provider and that's like what you love doing and you're just a freelancer or whatever, I don't mean just in like, it's bad, but if you do want more, if you want to reach more people and start getting like inbound leads and maybe launch a course or group programs, things that require uh, a little bit of a, a bigger presence, a more visible, credible personal brand. Um, that's where I started really leaning into that. I started getting published. I started getting on podcasts and things like that. And I went, okay, this is working. Like I'm attracting people instead of just having like those, you know, searching for companies, pitching them into, you know, it it changes the hustle. It changes it from hustle to flow a little bit more.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a, uh, Movie with <laughs> Jennifer Lopez called Hustle and Flow, but I don't think <laughs> yeah. it was. I don't think it was any good. But
2: you know. I don't remember if I watched it or not, <laughs> and it probably wasn't good.
1: But yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I love J love
1: <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there from what you just yeah, said.
2: Yeah.
1: I, first of all, passion. You. It sounds like you have very much been aware of what you like doing, or at least you've you've kind of found yourself. Falling into okay, this is what really fulfills me. Feels like a lot of entrepreneurs, and you even mentioned it yourself. Like you, you leave one job, you leave the nine to five to your own gig, and then suddenly it's like, man, this is like this is still as like soulless as as what I was doing. I mean, how did how did you find that that sort of light bulb for you that made when you know you wake up in the morning and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm doing this,
2: Yeah. yeah um it's such a weird mix of so i always wanted ever since you know i was telling you i, I loved to read and so then that led to i love to write and so for me that piece of it's always been there just the communications piece i love writing as you can tell i love talking <laughs> so like the the communications aspect is just what i've always known about myself um and what i like to do the The personal branding side of it was a little harder to wake up and because I'm an overthinker, I'm like I want to plan everything, I want everything to be nice and packaged up in a box. And so, what does my brand look like, and what do I do? And so that journey's been really messy. Um, But I think what it's really about for me is it comes back. So I explore a lot of my my thoughts and feelings through writing, like just journaling. What does that inform me about myself? Like just sit down, free write, and sometimes my writing, like takes on a life of its own. Um, so that's been really instrumental for me in figuring out like, what do I keep coming back to when I, when I journal, what do I keep coming back to when I'm writing social media posts? You know, at first I was kind of like, Oh, I want to be like a a productivity kind of help people with their, their marketing and productivity. But I kept writing about getting published and here's how you write a better hook. And you know, and it's like, if that's what you keep finding yourself kind of drawn back to then you need to listen to that. Um, that little
1: inkling. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like there's things that, there's these things that like you do get drawn back to, but you don't even like, like you don't even really realize. Cause I, oh, yeah. I think when I first um, even started my business, I felt like I went through like these transitions of I was talking about this and, and I just left like my dream job to go mm-hmm. start my business. And mm-hmm. so what I first started out with was, you know, hey, if you want to leave your dream job, and start, which doesn't even really make sense. It's like, why yeah. would I quit my dream job? <laughs> right. Great. It was great for like, you know, click through on ads. It's like, sure. oh, quit my dream job. Why? You know? And so, Yeah. but I had to really kind of struggle through, but now, and, and then now what I do a lot of with like growing businesses, but especially like in management, it's like, oh, this is so obvious. This is what I've always been really passionate about, which is yeah. leadership. But it feels like it takes a while to for sure, struggle through that. I don't know and i don't know why that is
2: I, I don't i wish i had the answer because i think it was the same thing for me it's like once you start doing it it's like that it clicks you go what why yeah duh this is what i've been talking about this is what's been like ruminating back here but for some reason i've been doing this other thing or focusing on this other thing and you know i think part of it is about um, I, I don't know the answer, but I think a part of it is about being introspective and letting yourself have that time to just, cause when we start a business, we're like, what can I do to make this work? And what do I do to make this work? And what's step two and what's step three, and then like map it out. And sometimes it's about just kind of like, you know, sitting back and like just giving yourself the time to just think and, and maybe it's meditating for you. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is not, you know, a, A plug because I'm a coach whatsoever, but talk to somebody else who has, you know, an outside perspective, because I have a friend who we would get on calls and we would just chat, you know, and she has experience with coaching and she would just ask me these questions. And I, and then I would come around finally. And I'd go, oh my, like, like she (laughs) saw it because the other person can see it, you know, they know what your gifts are. And we just aren't, aren't seeing them for whatever reason. And so talking to someone else who can ask the right questions and not just tell you, I think that's right. key to coaching. Don't just yeah. say Blake, this is what you need to be doing. It's like somebody who kind of asks you the questions to, to help you to come to that, that realization yourself. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, and I, my old company used to have this saying that I always appreciated. It was blind spots are only blind to you, which is yeah. why you need an outside perspective. <laughs>
2: right? right. Oh, totally. um,
1: but it's also interesting too. It's, it's, it's funny how, you know, you get into like, and I love what you said about being introspective too, because I remember um, I was at this gig a couple of years ago, and we were asking the participants to journal, and one guy was like, "You're really going to ask us to journal?" We we're like, <laughs>
2: "So true, yeah. true." Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. right? It was like, <laughs> yeah. you
1: know, his masculinity was, you know, ruined, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is so funny to me, and not to get on a random rabbit trail, but it's just so funny to me, like the random things that, so as a man. Things that other men like cling on to of this is my value as a man. Because there's plenty of examples of like incredible business leaders who kept a journal and who were just, you know.
2: Probably most of them.
1: Yeah. Right. And so (laughs) then I have this random guy who's like, really, you're going to make me journal? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to be okay, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just these traits or these activities that we sort of ascribe to a certain, like this is for women, this is for men, you know. Right. right. Yeah. So funny.
1: So, oh, you know, you've had like this five-year journey so far, and and I love hearing about sort of like the, the flywheels kind of hit its its peak of momentum in terms of, okay, now people are, they know who I am, so to speak. Yeah. What, what's what's kept you, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to ask like what, what made it sustainable because it's less uh-huh. about like income, but it's more about like, I guess, I guess it's part income, but it's also like your mental game, right? Because, oh, yeah. you know, there's, you mentioned already self-doubt, there's, you know, definitely like low points and then there's another low point and then another low point, you know? And it just, so how did you like, let's unpack that a little bit of these last few years, what that's looked like for you.
2: Yeah. So uh, it's funny. I, I talked to so many people. I'm like, was it you? Was it someone else? I don't remember who I was talking about this with, but I was saying like, for me in my 35 years of being on this planet, five years of entrepreneurship is where I've done the most work on myself as like a person and the most growth, the most growth, that's a tongue twister, Um, like personal development wise, because you have to, because you're just like, you know, you come up against something that you think maybe you can't do and you have to figure it out and say, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. And then, you know, in order to keep going or else it's like you, you go back to the nine to five or whatever. Um, so for me, I I don't really know, you know, I guess, you know, part of it is journaling and making sure that I am keeping myself sort of accountable to myself in a way. So I can, I can say like, okay, this is what I said I was going to do. This is where I said I was going to be, you know, so like, I guess, vision boarding kind of things like that. Um, reflecting is huge for me. So that journal or whatever it is that you want to do, you know, whether it's your Instagram feed or whatever, that's kind of documenting your journey so that you can look back and say, like, I just found a, a journal entry from a year ago that was like, oh, these are all the big things that have been happening. And these are my goals for the next year. And I was like, wow, I've come so far in one year. That's huge. That's huge to be able to see that because when it's happening day to day, it's just like when your dog's growing, You don't realize they go from puppy to huge dog, you know, and you're like, how did that happen? You see their like little old harness or whatever, and it's teeny tiny. And now they're 60 pounds. Um, And it's the same thing with your journey. I think that we kind of lose sight of how much we've grown. So, you know, people say, you know, never look back. And I'm like, no, look back, but like with intention, you know. Um, So that's part of it. And then again, people the people you surround yourself with it it's so important like so many of my my social circle so many of my friends have become now other entrepreneurs people that don't even live in my state sometimes not even my country people who get it people who will lend an ear who will tell you what they've done you know so surrounding yourself and being very intentional about the relationships that you keep and the people you keep in your life I think is huge yeah
1: yeah well I I so Building off that second point, I was talking to a guy who um, I don't know him very well, but he was talking about how he wants to jump into entrepreneurship, but his wife is like, no no way not at all mm-hmm. and he's like, I think I'm gonna do it anyway and I was like I just don't know because that's like the closest person in your life and yeah. until you guys because you know for me I, I I you know I've been in it in business for eleven months if I didn't have my wife every day like every hour being like you know, you're phenomenal and you can do this. I don't, I don't know if I could have made it right. And so I think it's important, like what you said of, you know, those people closest to you and those people in your circle, if they're not, you know, encouraging you, it makes it pretty tough to, is that, because for me, I I don't have enough mental game to like, (laughs) you know, hold myself (laughs) accountable to, I said, I would do
0: this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't
2: know. No, I 100% agree because it's the most heartbreaking thing when I see so I'm in some different Facebook groups for entrepreneurs and things like that. And like one of them is huge. It's, it's a women's only, but um, you see these comments where they go, does anybody else have a non-supportive partner? Because I don't think I can do this, you know, and that those threads will have some of the most replies that I've seen on any other post because other people are like, yes, it's thousands, hundreds, thousands of people who are like, yeah, my partner doesn't support me. Those people are going to have if they do succeed, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's like they're doing it against all odds in a way, because if you don't if you have that naysayer that's like right there in your house, that's very difficult. And then two, you know, I see it happen all the time. If they do succeed, they may outgrow their relationship. And I see that happening. I see people, you know, behind the scenes are like, oh, you know, we're going through divorce or whatever because their business (laughs) took off and it's a two different mindset and you just become completely, you know, it, it's just a path that the other person doesn't understand, you know? So I, I'm like you, thank goodness. My husband is, he's just like, yeah, you, you know, he's like, you know, every, I tell him something, sometimes he doesn't really know all of what I do. Cause he's like in a completely different world professionally. And he's like, good job, you know, but at <laughs> least it's like, good job. And not, are you sure that's, you know, going to work? Are you sure? Whatever. So Yeah. Yeah, Totally agree.
1: My wife's the same way. She'll try to, um, when I first started the podcast, she tried to listen to everyone, but (laughs) I I do two a week. And so she made some comment like this, this is going to be, and I've stopped saying the name of like this episode because the last two, I've said the wrong number, which I think (laughs) is obnoxious. This this episode right now is like somewhere in the sixties. Well, she made a comment like two nights ago, like, yeah. So like, what are you on like episode like 38? And I was like, okay, so it's been a while since (laughs) But she just is like, you know, you can do it. I believe in you. Oh,
2: yeah. No, please. My husband was like, oh, yeah. Like I was listening to your podcast in the car, you know, on the way home. And I go, but you didn't finish it, right? And He's (laughs) like, like, no, I needed some, like I needed music, you know? And it's like, everybody's different. I don't expect him to care about all the same things I care about in terms of business or to watch everything I do or listen to everything I do, but just having him there being like, supportive and cheering me on is you know a world mm-hmm. of difference
1: so. so if you don't mind me putting you on the spot a little bit wh- what was some of the advice that was given in that facebook thread because i i know even now i probably have listeners who maybe they would call their partner unsupportive but maybe a nervous partner you know mm-hmm. and i have i have friends mm-hmm. who i have one guy friend of mine who's a really great entrepreneurial thinker and his wife is not unsupportive but very, mu- very much apprehensive because they have a couple of kids and it's like uh, okay, so (laughs) Uh what are we doing? So, you know,
2: I mean, there's always a mix of advice and it's, you know, some people say, well, and I'm not, I'm not endorsing any of this advice because (laughs) some of it I'm like, I I don't know. Right. But some people are like, well, I had to stop sharing all of the, the details with my partner, my mom, whoever it is that's, you know, kind of your naysayer. So don't don't share all those little details because they're going to question everything right with that doubt. And um, so that's one thing. And again, that's where I say uh, it makes sense to me. But again, if you're if you're keeping things that are like financial investments and stuff, that's where I'm like, "Ah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to endorse any of that. But um, so there's that. And then it's, you know, things like making a slow transition as opposed to a leap. So some people, I made a leap, you know, um, I was just like, okay, I got no safety net. I don't know, but I'm doing this thing. And then there's other people where I think, especially if you have those people who aren't really sure, small wins, you know, a transition, you are still in your day job or whatever, and you get a project and then you show them like, Hey, look, this is what, this is what worked. Right. I saw one woman said she printed out. All So she wanted to be a writer and she printed out all of these like listings from, you know, Elance or whatever those, I don't even remember what the, I think it's like Upwork now or something. Yeah, um, yeah. You, not just,
1: like, you just dated yourself as an entrepreneur. I
2: know, I know. Yeah. Cause that's where, <laughs> that's what was there. When I, I remember
1: started. using it. Yeah, yeah. Like a decade ago.
2: <laughs> yes. And I don't recommend people start there because there's not that great of yeah. gigs on there, but that's where a lot of people kind of first start learning. Right. But yes, Upwork. Yeah. Um, she printed out just tons of, like, they needed writers or whatever. And she, she like, handed him a stack of paper, her husband, and she said, these are all people. This isn't even all of it. This is, like, the first 48, you know, pages or whatever of people who need writers. Like, here's the proof. So, yeah, I mean, there's just such a variety. I think it it really just depends on your particular situation, your particular relationship. But definitely, I think...
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like your advice on on taking a slow. It's like wading into the into the pool yeah. instead of the leap. Yeah,
2: because
1: uh, I, I give the same advice. And there's a really great book that a friend of mine had recommended to me. called it's literally called "Don't Quit Your Day Job,"
2: mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's
1: based on the expression. And it's 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 basically you know if you're going to start something on the side, don't quit your day job you know, nurture this thing and build it and make sure that it's actually doable. Yeah. Um, and then I just made sure to do the opposite of that. And because <laughs> yeah. for me, my company, what I offer now is what my company was doing at the time. And so I felt like it'd be, I mean, it would have been, it, I'd be, yeah. it'd be uh, unethical for me to have been growing my business. Right. Well, so That's,
2: Right. Yeah. Right. So That makes sense.
1: And then, you know, something else on that too, as I was listening to you, you know, obviously it's tough when you have a close partner who uh, is unsupportive but also it feels like people are really nervous especially in today's social media culture of everyone's opinions are so easily transferable and mm-hmm. you know you have you have you know the lurkers who you know don't yes. post anything and then you have like the keyboard warriors who yeah. <laughs> you know let me tell you and it's like who yeah. are you you know right. so h- how have you specifically dealt with criticism stayed positive in the face of critics trolls Mm-hmm. you know, what have you, what does that look like for you?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I look for the humor and everything. So I'm the person who laughs like at inappropriate times. <laughs> like I laugh at, all the time and I've been working on the laughing at inappropriate times. I think it's like a nerve thing. You're like, Oh, I don't really know how to react to that. Right. But it's also just taught me to not take life too seriously. And so with, with, um, with criticism and negativity, I think, well, if it's, if it's uh, thoughtful feedback, or, you know, um, like a critique, then I listen, and I'm like, well, how can I serve people better? Is this legitimate? Is this because sometimes people have feedback, but it's not actually relevant to my business. I'm like, well, that's not what I do, though, you know, so, you know, take that thoughtfully, but with a grain of salt, but like, trolls, I just, I find it humorous and I, and I also just try to remind myself that like there's something missing in their lives that they have to feel like, like they're important or um, they're just angry at the world. Right. Um, So I had a friend, a coworker, friend who years ago who told me this really great approach that I love. So we were in customer service at the time and there was a, a customer who would come in who was just nice, nice as can be to her and I, but she was really mean to this other um, gal that we worked with. And the other gal was like, why why is she like that to me? I don't understand. I've never done anything to her. I'm a good service provider, you know? And my friend said, you know, when people treat me badly for no apparent reason, I just tell a story about them in my own head. So she's like, maybe her husband cheated on her and his mistress looked like you, and you remind her of the mistress, right? And that has stuck with me. So every time somebody's just kind of mean or trolling, I'm like, well, maybe I heard them in some way that reminds them of something that crappy that happened in their life, and and it's their problem, not mine, you know. So yeah.
1: I love that. It's like um, giving them the benefit of the doubt in a way that's yeah. like really digestible,
2: right? That's yeah. Good. It That's makes good. You, you feel better and you can just kind of release it. Yeah.
1: Well, and it, it speaks to like, um, well, honestly, it's it's high EQ, right? In the sense of like, you're being mindful of like someone else's perception and that, you know, really it's, maybe it's not really me. Maybe it's how they've associated me with someone else or. <laughs>
2: yeah. No. Or know. their own failures. Like maybe they tried to do it, you know, something and it didn't work, you know, for them. And so they're like, they're bitter when they see it, somebody else making a work, you know, and they're like, well, you know, that just reminds me of my own failure, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it's really important just in life in general, business and in life just to be like, you know, um, very mindful of Mm -hmm. everybody looking at the human aspect of it. Everybody has their own personal stuff going on. And, you know, um, I can't carry that load. So,
1: yeah. 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 Well, cause you know, life's hard enough as it is. Yeah. Yeah. I got plenty of my own. Right. Yeah. I, I can totally relate to laughing at inappropriate times. I have a few friends who to this day give me a really hard time because so at our, at our church, we were doing like some kind of like get together with a bunch of people and this guy was telling the story about really just his journey in life. And he was basically a drug dealer, drug addict, really low place. And he tells a story about how he goes out on his balcony and he basically says, you know, God, what, what am I supposed to do? And then he goes to sleep. And the next morning his wife wakes him up and says, Hey, I'm pregnant.
0: Hmm. And
1: I go, I, I hear this and I go, ha! you know, cause I just <laughs> thought, that, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. funny. And it was not a funny moment.
2: Like <laughs> everyone
1: was kind of like, no. And he like looked at me like, dude, like this is my story. <laughs> What's
2: wrong with you. Blake? Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. everyone,
1: my friends were just like, and so they still gave me a hard time about it today. I thought it was hilarious. I thought I
2: think I would do the same great. thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm like, well, there you go.
2: <laughs> so let's,
1: let's talk a little bit about specifically, I know, I know you've given me sort of the 30,000 foot view for people, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, in the intro, I talked about how, you know, you can help people get published. You can help them with speaking gigs. Yeah. What's, what's your, your process for a mm-hmm. potential customer?
2: Yeah. Uh, So I work with mostly with one-on-one coaching and then I'm building a course right now. Um, But my one-on-one coaching is really, I have somewhat of a structure. It's in my head, it's sort of, and you'll appreciate this as a a past teacher, right? Is I kind of have a curriculum that I know people usually need help with these things. And this is the order that it makes sense to do that. But at the same time, all of my, my coaching is very tailored to that individual person because some of those things they might need, not need help with or isn't interesting to them. Like some people don't want to do speaking at all, right? So, um, so I kind of have a, a framework um, or a skeleton that I'm like, we can do these things. And then when they come on board to work with me, we have a deep dive session. So my first sessions are 90 minutes which sounds like a long time to be on a call but what we're really doing is diving into what do they really want where do they want to take this thing if they're still in a job like when do they want to be out of it right all of that kind of stuff kind of road mapping and then we go over the different areas of um what they need to do to get there and maybe it's creating their own asset like a podcast or a blog if they don't have something like that already Um, maybe they want to get more visible on LinkedIn or, you know, get five published articles or whatever it is and kind of set those goals. And then from there I go away and I kind of create a tailored checklist to make sure that we're kind of meeting those, those, you know, um, goals along the way while we work together. And so, yeah, that's like the, the gist of kind of like how it works. And then we get on weekly, almost weekly calls, not quite because sometimes, certain things I feel like people need the time to go away and like really dive in and do their, their writing or whatever it is. Um, and then we just do sessions where it can be any questions they have, or we can review their pitch, you know, a media pitch or whatever. So that's the format. And then what the outcomes usually are is someone who, so a recent client who graduated Mm -hmm. very recently, he, um, he is in a nine to five, he had done a talk before, and he had some things published. But his goal was like, I want to stop writing for free, I'm only going to create demand to get published, but get paid for it. And I want to do some more speaking. And so we created that program. And then when he finished, he's like, I no longer write for free, right? Like, I've got these articles lined up, he took a weekend, like retreat just to get all the writing done that he had like lined up to do he had gotten some speaking engagements and he was like, I thought that I was going to be out of my job in like two-ish years. And he goes, now I can see that it's a realistic path forward and that I can do this sooner. So that's kind of, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the gist of how I work with clients. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's
1: there's, there's two interesting things that happen. I think with people is that, Mm -hmm. so first of all, I think that people think very much long-term in their life. So like, you know, yeah, maybe in two years I can see if this, right. you know, and, and I don't mean that harshly to your client. It's just, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are like, yeah, you know, this is my five-year plan or whatever yeah. the cliche is. And I'm yeah. like, man, that is just an eternity. Right. So, oh, so much sure. time, you know, you could probably do, you know, to make whatever decision you need to make in the next six to 12 months. The other thing on the flip side of that, and I'd be curious how, uh, you keep your clients motivated in mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, everyone knows that, any successful business, there's a long game to it and it takes time to build it, right? right. And so, I, you know, how do you help your clients understand that, yes, we're getting results and yes, we're moving you in a healthy direction, but, you know, no one's going to, you're not going to, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook tomorrow or mm-hmm. a week from now. And so,
2: yeah,
1: h- how do you help people with that?
2: So, the first thing... This is this is gonna sound like a cop out answer, but the first thing I do is I work with clients who are they have a pretty good um, mindset and good expectations to begin with so I'm never going to sell somebody on a program and this is what m- my clients will tell you is like wow, I didn't she didn't sell to me it wasn't a push it wasn't hard to sell because I work with people who are already go getters they're high achievers and um yeah, of course, everybody needs motivation. Everybody needs a pep talk sometimes, right? But I work with people who are like, they know that they're going to push themselves and that they're going to succeed no matter what they put their mind to. So I think the first part is really designing your ideal client and and creating your content to speak to those people and attract those people so that you're not, you know, like, who do you want to work with, right? Um, some people like to do a lot of that, that, mindset coaching and handholding and i'm a lot more strategic i'm like let's do this 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 and um so that's kind of the kind of client i attract um the second part though is you know making sure that we have accountability check-in so they they can access me other times right like email or um box or just like a walkie-talkie app i don't know if you are familiar with it um so that they can check in i review their pitches and stuff so it's it's there's a lot of contact like throughout the program. Um, and then I'm trying to remember what your, your exact question was now. Cause I've gotten off on a rabbit trail. No, I
1: feel like you're answering <laughs> okay. it. That's, okay. Good. Good, great. good.
2: Yeah. No, perfect. <laughs> this is,
1: this is the struggle of me and you as we both like to talk. And then right. it's like, after a while it's like, <laughs> Where was the, yeah, were we, where were we we start? About? Yeah. yeah, no,
2: I'm great um, at rabbit trails.
1: <laughs> it's just, it's just funny. Cause you know, you talk to people, I think what makes it really hard too, is marketers are really good at selling the overnight success story. Right. And if you scroll through Facebook, <laughs> like ever, you'll see countless ads. And for me, it's probably oh, for the, sure. my algorithm, but I see countless ads of, you know, I was in my nine to five and then overnight. Now yeah. I'm a, I have tens of millions of dollars and it's, it's entrepreneurship pornography. Basically it's, yeah. it's, How do I get as many clicks as possible? And it's tough sometimes to help new business owners understand it's going to take a lot longer than you think and Mm -hmm. cost it's going to cost a lot more.
2: Yeah. Oh, Uh, for sure. And that's, that is a really, that's such a good point because I I think about it all the time. It's, it's, It's a tough spot to be in because I can write the copy to get people to click and sign up for something just like that. But I'm not going to do that because it's not an integrity To me, right? Because I know that people who even seem like an overnight success, like they come up out of nowhere, they just blow up. That was a lot of years in the making behind the scenes. So, and and there is a famous quote by some, some entrepreneur, I think, and I never remember who they're attributed to. So I'm sorry, you know, Steve Jobs or whoever said it, but it was like, a, a lot of overnight successes took years to get there. And it's, it's just the truth. There's so much going on behind the scenes, you know, so I will never write one of those like overnight success stories, but I like you, I I like it to be realistic. Like you don't need a five-year plan. You don't need to, you know, go so slowly that it's like one toe in the water, then another toe in the water, like let's go big. Um, but it is going to be six to 12 months before I think, any kind of real traction happens because you're just, you're building relationships, you're building your visibility. That takes time. And the credibility piece, the, the trust, that's what, t- you know, you can start getting in front of a lot of people pretty quickly, depending on your strategies, but you have to build the trust factor before they're going to invest any money in you. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I really feel like, I love that you said that because I feel like trust, trust is literally the channel to a sale. Oh, your sure. brand and to credibility and and what have you mm-hmm. and I, I think people sometimes are you know it's just like any relationship or with your spouse I mean you didn't build that trust overnight right now it came through a lot of work and time and energy mm-hmm. right? and I think the same thing's true for for our brands right yeah
2: and and that's and trust to me is linked <laughs> to this word that a lot of entrepreneurs and or oh, just anybody, like you see motivational quotes all the time. And it's always like consistency, consistency, show up every day, you know, be consistent. And it's not about showing up every day so that you're making noise, you're showing up every day to build trust, because trust is built about showing up consistently over time. That's literally how you build trust. Because if you just disappear, or your message is here one day, and then there the next, it's like, that's not nobody, you're not building trust in someone's mind because they're like well what do they really do what's the real expertise so um yeah it's just i think it's an important thing to keep in mind because we hear that message of be consistent blast it all the time but it's like why Mm. (laughs) why you know and for me i'm i'm such a a why person i always have to know the how and the why you know Mm. so Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so peeling back one of the layers of you um you mentioned how you'd never write one of those posts why (laughs) not
2: Um, where I'm like be an overnight success. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it would break. Okay. First of all, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with attracting the ideal client, right? For me, when I think about the end game, income is important. Like I have no issue being like, you know, I think that people have, They need to work on their a lot of people need to work on that money mindset of like it's okay to say I want to make money, like, yeah, my goal is this much money. Like you need to have that as piece of it, a piece of you know, your business plan. But for me, more than that is I want to work with people who get results. My end goal is a really great testimonial. And if I know that I can serve somebody and help them to actually achieve what I'm, you know, promising them I can help them achieve that's going to do more for my business than the fast injection of cash that someone might invest with me because I'm I'm like, you can become an overnight success if you just do X, Y, Z. That is going to ruin your reputation. If they're like, well, I invested all this money in it, but it's just one of those silver bullets and it didn't really work. For me, personal brand, thought leadership, it's about credibility and that means a testimonial. That means social proof. That means people who are spreading the good word about you and your business and, and not saying like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just so, you know, she's just one of those like silver bullet, you know, snake oil people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I love snake oil people. Great. <laughs> yeah. I get so pissed off sometimes. I'm like, I actually have a Google drive folder of ads that I've clipped like I just saw him one Friday, but this his kid cannot be more than maybe 19 or 20 years old. Oh yeah. And he's in front of a Lamborghini and oh, yeah. it's, it's the exact copy that you see everywhere else. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I quit my nine to five and then I realized, you know, the yeah. whole shebang. And,
2: and I think to be honest, if you look at a lot of those, I mean, this is probably obvious, but maybe not to some people because they do work. People invest money into them, but they rent those, they rent a fancy Airbnb or a fancy car and they stand in front of it and they make their video. And I'm not against lifestyle marketing. Lifestyle marketing is very effective. It is part of the strategy that I teach around building a personal brand, but not fake lifestyle. Like it has to be your, it it, it can't be something that like, here's my rented lifestyle so that I can make money off of you wanting to be what I'm not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like
1: yeah, it, it makes me think of a marketer I had when I first started who we were, and we, it didn't work out because we just had ideological differences. Mm-hmm. Cause he was like, you need to go to the nicest hotel in your town and film yourself like on the patio or the balcony, yeah. like overlooking the city. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not. Because I think I think it's I think you're spot on in that it matters the quality of customers that you get and ultimately what they're going to say about you and your brand, right? And so if you want to mm-hmm. attract desperate, money hungry people, then it's not going to yeah. do much for your brand long term.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, so. because they're not going to they might be money hungry and fame hungry or whatever it is, but if they don't accomplish that by working with you as promised through your flashy ad, then it's it's just doing you more harm than good. I don't think those businesses have a lot of longevity. I mean, there are there are unfortunately a few that keep making money. You know, you see them pop up again and again. But like you, I see a lot of those really young, a lot of the time guys. There are there are females that do it too. You know, they're usually like drinking champagne in their red bottom heels in front of the Eiffel Tower or whatever. Um, so it's on all sides, but, uh, you know, you don't see them long, long-term, you know? Uh,
1: right. So. Right. But on the same, t- on the same token though, I kind of laugh to myself cause I'm like, man, if I just like, wasn't a moral person, I would right. be so rich.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh, I'd totally. have so much
1: money. I mean, I just, I think about it. I just kind of laugh and I'm like, man, I just, I know how the formula works and I know I could easily. Oh yeah. Know. And so. You yeah, I say it almost like begrudgingly, like, dang it. But at the same I time, it's like, I, you know, obviously I'm happy with my current character. Yeah. But it's just it's just funny. I mean, it's it's funny how, how um, I don't say naive, I don't want to be harsh to people, but right. how easily people are manipulated, I guess.
2: Yeah. And it comes from, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a therapist, but like, I feel like it comes from like <laughs> a doesn't lot matter. of times. Let's, let's
1: really get <laughs> right. into this. Yeah. yeah.
2: Let me just be an armchair therapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's like desperation too like they're so they're speaking the marketers are speaking to such a painful pain point of like i was miserable in my nine to five and it was so much easier for me to buy into the those promises and the silver bullets um because you're just so desperate for anything that will help you get out of a painful situation um So that's another reason is like, why would I want to prey on somebody like that? But
1: here's what's really weird about it though, is I think, I think you're so right. It's, it's this deep pain. It's this, and and even like, you know, I don't think, I don't think the pain is even just like around purpose, like, oh, I'm in this nine to five. What am I even doing? But a lot Mm -hmm. of times like financially, because of where I am financially, I feel so much stress over the mortgage you know oh my gosh groceries are like what the heck you know and so yeah. like there's this real um anxiety and agony around my financial situation and so you see someone who offers a fix to that uh, and so yeah of course I'm manipulated but i think what's really interesting is people are very much aware of maybe they're not aware they have these really strong pain points and yet they'll go for the silver bullet in the quick Mm -hmm. fix instead of actually perfect example. If I wanted to be healthier, I should probably just eat better and go to the gym. Yeah. But I would rather just, you know, drink the shake
2: and continue, you know,
1: and I, and I don't mean that harshly to anyone. I just, it's just, we're very good at knowing what needs to change. And then yet, eh, but I don't really want to, I don't know if I really want to put in the work, you know, I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, I was having that same thought as you were talking about, like, well, but at the same time, you know, how do you, how do you advertise to someone and say, yes, I can help you out of this painful situation. Yes, you can make more money. I made more money my first year of entrepreneurship than in any nine to five job that I had, but it it takes time. It takes hard work. No, they want, they want the easy way they want the Oh, if I run these ads and I do some drop shipping, (laughs) I'm going to be a multimillionaire, you know, in a week. Oh my God, he made 15,000 his first week, you know? Um, so I, I still think it comes to, um, yeah, I guess really getting specific about targeting, like who do you want to talk to, you know, who do you want to target? Because, um, yeah, I do want to work with people who are at aspirational, of course, they have big goals and dreams, because I think that's part of what keeps you motivated and um, is going to make someone continue chasing their dream. But I want, I talk to people who are like a little more grounded, like, like, just like you can with your copy in an ad like that, which I save those two, because it's so they're so fascinating to me. And I, I'm, I have a history as a copywriter. so. I see the formula too, but then you can be very intentional. And this is what I work on with my clients is who do you want to talk to? Who do you want to attract? And let's write copy that speaks directly to that person. And so I just am intentional about not speaking to that person. Who's like the fast fix person, you know, and Mm -hmm. someone who's like, who knows they're already like, okay, I know this takes work. Maybe they have a little more life experience or a little more patience or whatever. And that can be communicated just in, the words that you choose
1: for your, your content. Mm -hmm. Well, and it feels like too, that, you know, if you attract really trashy customers, you're, (laughs) you know, I don't mean like white trash, but some of them, maybe they are, but (laughs) right. um, You know, the amount of time you're going to put into, like there's this one guy who I know who I don't, he's, he's basically that snake oil salesperson, Mm -hmm. but the amount of content I see him put out on dealing with refunds and dealing with, toxic customers and like bad testimonials and like, okay, how do you get five good testimonials to cover the one bad one that just went up? And I thought, man, you're, you could probably just avoid having to deal with any of this content if you just were, if you just were a better person, (laughs) if you just sold better stuff.
2: That's what it comes down to too. It's like, who do you, it just blows my mind because who do you want to work with? The person who's going to, blame you for everything because stuff's not happening really fast, who's going to want you to have all the answers, who is taking the fast route, you know, fast route, which means maybe they're more, and I'm not trying to like you, I'm not trying to like label people or whatever. But if, if they're more like, lazy, they don't want to put in the work. Why would you want to work with that person as a client, they're never going to be satisfied, and you're going to be miserable. And so when I work with high achievers, who are like, they know it takes work they take responsibility for their own success then all my clients are happy because they aren't i didn't make them a promise that i can't fulfill and so they're not going to be complaining to me they know that it's on them you know mm-hmm. and that i'm there to guide and mm-hmm.
0: so but but how do you deal with
1: and this is like a genuine question I'm like i actually I yeah. actually want to know cuz here's here's what i think about cuz maybe i'm just a bad marketer cuz someone will <laughs> someone will say something like you know, so maybe they're doing like 700 grand in revenue and they're like, okay, so will you take me to a million in revenue or one point two in revenue? And like, my answer is like, I mean, it's, it's on you. It's uh-huh. on you. To, I mean, like, yeah, I'm going to give you some great advice, but you, you have to <laughs> do it. Right. And so, but, and so I, I know there's like a level for me where I need to be like, yes, it works and it's amazing. And I, I try yeah. to do that. But at the same time, it's like, it's like, dude, none of this, you know, I'm, I'm just here to help. I mean, mm-hmm. you are the one who's running the ship. And so I don't know if you run into that too with, or even what your advice is on that of like helping people take that ownership and responsibility and understand that, you know, it's, it's this consultation, it's what I do with it rather than,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, cause I'll tell people from the get go, Hey, I'm not going to do it for you. You're not yeah. hiring me to run your business. Otherwise you yeah. should pay me a lot more. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 I think, I mean, it goes to, well, you already said it. You say that in the beginning, in the initial conversations. And even before that, in the content that you're sharing is setting expectations. And you don't have to blatantly say like your results are your own, you know, disclaimer, your results are whatever may vary. It's (laughs) up to you. If
1: you go bankrupt, (laughs) it's not my fault.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's in the subtle ways that you you do market to them. So when you're promoting your business and I'm really bad at coming up with examples off the top of my head, so I'm not even going to try, but like when you are, um, cause then I just sound like a really bad people are like, you're a writer, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, but I'm
0: like, wow, that was such
1: a good example. And everyone's like, wow, that was bad.
2: <laughs> right. No. So I think it's about creating your marketing pieces, whether it's video podcast, you know, you said you do solo episodes as well. Right. Um, Articles, whatever it is that you do, it's subtle ways that you can use language that's like maybe you're sharing a testimonial from someone and you're kind of telling the story about how they succeeded and you're talking about what they did to succeed. You're really framing it and positioning it that way and you position yourself as like Rafiki. I don't know if you're lying, fan, but like, yeah. right, the mentor, the guide. Um, So I think it's in the stories that we tell about our clients, about our own businesses, about our own experiences. Like talk about the hard work that you put in to your business to make it work. Talk about the hard work that your clients put in. And then when people are consuming your content and they're connecting with you, they're like, I know that he's working with, like, I don't want to say hustlers because I know there's also like negative, you know, attached to that, like, your blood, sweat and tears and you never have time off or whatever. But, you know, I know that Blake works with people who take responsibility and ownership and run with it. And he's the, he's the guide. So I think it starts before the conversations and then doing what you said is, setting the
1: expectation, set expectations, you know. Mm -hmm. Your Rafiki example was really good. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Thank
1: you. (laughs) No, and I I really agree. I think setting expectations, it's funny how someone will tell me a story about how a customer got really upset about something and it goes back to expectations. Like one person was saying, you know, my customer's annoyed that I haven't reached out more often. I'm like, well, did you tell them what the pacing will be? Mm -hmm. Like when you guys will connect and communicate and what that looks like if they have a problem? And It's like, well, they know. I was like, do they know? You know, it's like, did you tell them? But something I'm also I want to know your thoughts on is, so like we we talk, especially a lot of us who've been entrepreneurs for, um, I say I've done it for a long time. It's been 11 months. Uh, (laughs) You get to a point where where a lot of people say things like, you know, you you want to choose your customers, you want to vet your customers, you want good customers, but obviously there's this tension of, you know, I don't want frustrating customers, but also I feel compelled because I don't have the cash to keep this Mm -hmm. thing going, right? And so it's like, I was talking to one guy who he just, he's constantly talking about these really awful customers. And I'm like, dude, get better customers. These are these customers suck. Mm -hmm. I can't, like I need, I need the cash from them. And part of it's his own limiting belief of like, I need that. Yeah. But but it feels like, especially when you start, there is this tension and, you know, all these entrepreneurs are saying, no, you're worth. And it's like, I do, but also no one, no one knows my worth. And so how Mm -hmm. do I, it's just a weird, I keep using that word tension. I mean, it feels like it it butts, they butt up, butt up to one another.
2: Yeah. And it is hard. I think, you know, one thing that I have done is because when I started, you know, now I do coaching and I'm building this course, but when I started, I was doing like copywriting, social media management, freelancing, you know, I started like with the actual producing content for people. Um, and now people are responsible for their own content. I do still have like some writing projects left over from certain clients who are a joy to work with. Right. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, work with a couple to get that cash injection and very quickly be up leveling the, the, like, as soon as you get a new client that either pays better, cheats you better or whatever, drop the other one you know, like that's one thing is just get a few just to get the money if you need, if you are in that position. But as soon as you get something better, don't let the fear of, well, what if this, like, there's always going to be customers out there. There's always going to be clients. So don't let the fear of, I have to hang on to the crappy one, the one that is causing me all this stress. Let them go. As soon as you have something to replace it, it's just like the nine to five. It's just like, if you want out of the job, you get, you know, you start making some income and you can leave the nine to five behind. It's the same thing with your business constantly up-leveling. I feel that's part of it. Um, and then well, the other thing is some entrepreneurs, sorry, some so entrepreneurs do like um, other side hustles. Like I know people who, you know, drive Uber or whatever so that they're just still doing something to bring in cash on their terms to fund their business so that they don't have to work with. Not that I'm sure Uber is always a pleasure either, but you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny on that last point. I wish I could. So I used to wait tables and I Me loved too. it. So I fun. Did yeah. And I was telling my wife, Joy, I was like, man, I wish I could just go get extra cash. But I, I have a pretty, um, I, I'm working on my brand pretty actively here in my area. And so I've worked with a lot of business owners and different businesses. And so it. I, I couldn't go do this because people would be like, wait, why are you here waiting tables? Yeah. Yeah. But I would totally, if I could, I would, because it was just so much of a fun of a fun gig. Yeah. And now now telling that story, I have forgotten the insight that I was first going <laughs> to interrupt you
2: with. <laughs> Sorry. No, that <laughs> was my talking. bad. But,
1: but, yeah. well oh actually I remember what it was. It it's funny so here's a lot of times I see what happens. It's it's the scarcity mindset. It's I can't let go of that customer because what if yes. I don't get another one? Yep. Or you know, I can't quit this job because what if I can't find another one? And it's just it's funny how many times this keeps coming up in my conversations with people on how just detrimental that mindset is for our decision-making and we don't mm-hmm. even realize it we don't even realize we're yeah. processing that way
2: yeah and then we're surrounding ourselves with people with it goes back to one of our the first things we were talking about on this episode is who you surround yourself with and a lot of the time the reason that you have this circle of people who are doubters isn't because they're haters you know people are like oh you know screw the haters well they're not always haters sometimes it's like you know, my own mom, she does it out, like she doubts out of love, because she is maybe in a scarcity mindset and is like, fearful that what if it doesn't work for me, and then I'm in this really tough place financially? What if I lose my home? What if, what if, what if, right? And so that's a big part of it is people who do have that scarcity mindset are often not entrepreneurs. (laughs) I mean, they are also entrepreneurs can also, you know, suffer from the scarcity mindset, but People who aren't pursuing their own thing, a lot of the time they are. And so that's who's around us, you know? So I just think it's funny because it, it goes back to that. But it's something I had to struggle with because we're programmed that way. Like I said, I grew up in a very... I, we were poor growing up, you know? And it was like, save everything, you know, you know, vacations. We didn't have those because you had to have an emergency fund or what if this like thing happens? And so I really had to do some... <laughs> Deprogramming programming around that just to be like, there's money out there. There are new, there are more clients out there. This isn't the be all end all. And if I lose this, that's it. You know, it's all or nothing black and white thinking. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of, and I love what you said too, about, about people who are, maybe, maybe it's harsh to say they're naysayers, but just because they care about you, they're, you know, I remember when I decided to quit my job, I called a few people and they're like, oh my gosh, yes. And then I called my parents, and they were like, "Oh, Blake,
2: <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah."
1: And not not any malicious thinking or like didn't want the best for me. It's it's that's exactly what it was. Was that they wanted the best for me, and they just like, do you know, do you know what you're doing? Is this yeah. is there a plan here? You know, do you got this? So
2: yeah, anyway. oh yeah, it's a recurring theme. I mean, a lot of the people I interview. I'm getting all these interviews lined up for my podcast. And I was telling you, I do a lot of solo episodes, but I'm getting more and more people who um, I already kind of know from, from the entrepreneurial world, but they go, it's this pattern. You see, you hear it. It's like they tell their parents and their parents are like, oh, but we invested in your education, but what about this? But that's not stable. And I think it's so funny because when you're self-employed, I know things can feel very unstable, and I know that it's not always this zero to you know six figures like that and whatever. But when you're in a job, you're actually at the mercy of your one employer. Whereas when you're self-employed, I, I almost feel like that's more stable because if I lose a client, I can just go replace it instead of like the job hunt. You know, um, Microsoft they go through these huge periods of doing layoffs, massive layoffs. And then these people are like, oh, I went from this huge income to nothing. And now the job market sucks and I can't find another job and I don't know what to do. Um, but if you're self-employed, you lose a client, you just go get another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, it's like, I'm not at the mercy of one employer and, and that's more stability. So it's, it's a mindset shift, I think.
1: It is. And it's, it's. I just need to go get another one. I just need to go get another client. And there are 7 billion people on this planet.
2: Exactly. So I can,
1: I can find one. I'm guessing I can find one.
2: (laughs) And that, and that's really what it's like. You just have to remember the scale you have to remember. And when you're doing, and I don't know like how, you know, you probably work with a lot of people locally, right? You Mm -hmm. said, but you probably could work with. Anybody in the world, mm-hmm. you can, you know, you're not limited to one city, right? When we have a business that you can do online over Zoom, whatever technology has enabled that, um, the, the client base really is that huge, you know, mm-hmm. so, or the potential client base.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I've always loved the article, 1000 true fans on, if you want to build a multi million dollar business, you need 1000 repeat customers, you need 1000 mm-hmm. people. And yeah. so for 7 billion, I mean, 1000 is. I'm not a drop a in the person. bucket. Yeah, no, me yeah, either, it's but it's a drop point in the bucket. Point 0.001, I'm sure, or something. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. you know, it's just, it says a lot about perspective, I guess.
2: So. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, uh, I think we are out of time. I really yeah. enjoyed talking with you today. Is yeah, there anything else ditto. you want to share about your business?
2: Uh, No, I mean, you can find me. I have a blog at candidlyaron.com. So that's where I provide a lot of free resources and information um i do a lot of long form posts so they're very you know they go deep on a topic um my podcast just say the word you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts your episode is coming out this week um yeah that's that's it but i so appreciated being on and i feel like we could go on forever and ever but this was great
1: we'll have to do a a part two at some point
2: yeah no that'd be great and on mine as well
1: yeah (laughs) Well, for the listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. Absolutely, let me know what you think about the episode. Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Check out Aaron's podcast, Just Say the Word, and make sure you like, subscribe, review, all of the good things that you can do with with content. Uh, As always, thanks so much for your support. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next week. See ya.